Charles Simpson, as I said, probably needs no introduction. And I, I couldn't, I don't have enough time to, to tell you who he is and where he comes from, but he, uh, he was obviously, he, he's been in the minute, he, he was licensed into the ministry the year I was born. So he's, that's 68 years. And, uh, born into the home of a Southern Baptist pastor, Brother Vernon Simpson and, and, uh, Later on became Southern Baptist pastor himself. And then he got the Holy Ghost. And he was still a Southern Baptist pastor for a little while, but uh, eventually that didn't last. But the truth is, uh, Brother Charles became one of uh, several leaders in the body of Christ, especially in the charismatic movement in the late 60s, or beginning in the late 60s. And uh, when I came into this dimension as a 17-year-old kid, I was introduced to Brother Charles's teachings. I was introduced to New Wine Magazine. And those of you who remember New Wine Magazine or want to remember it, by the way, you can go to csmpublishing.org. Every issue of that magazine is on there in a PDF. And I started reading the teachings of of. Brother Charles, Bob Mumford, Derek Prince, and the list goes on, and uh, began to gravitate towards these gentlemen and their teaching, and I didn't know what it was called. My mother kept saying, "What? what is it? Is it a cult? And I said, no, it's not a cult. <laughs> what kind? What, what is a charismatic movement? I said, I don't know. I just know it's something I've never seen before, and I see things when I hear the teachings. I see things that I never saw before. And as I would sit and listen to Brother Charles, and back then we would, we had cassette tapes. Some of you want to know what that is. And even as an associate pastor, I would sit in my office and play cassette tapes on a little 1999 cassette player. And I would listen to Brother Charles and it would, uh, it would connect. I hadn't even met him yet at this point, but it would, we would, it would connect through the Holy Spirit what he was saying. I was fortunate enough in 1977 to meet Brother Charles and having been close friends ever since. And even more fortunate that the last 20 some odd years he's been my pastor and continues to be so. It is, as I said this last Sunday, I'll say it again. It is fitting that Brother Charles is here on Father's Day because he is a father to so many. You couldn't even, you couldn't even enumerate the number of people literally around the world that look to Brother Charles as a spiritual father. And so it is fitting that he comes to this congregation. I'm not even going to tell the story, but there would not be an abundant life church if it wasn't for this man right here. We were here one Thursday night, and I'll just tell you, that's all I'm going to tell you, that he saved this congregation by, with his leadership. Uh, so what I want you to do is, is ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. I ask you to open up your hear, your ears and hear what the voice of the Lord is saying and welcome the man of God, Brother Charles Simpson, to the pulpit. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Thank you. Are we on here? Good. I was delayed out there while we were getting rigged up here, and I made him read the whole introduction that I gave him. 
It's an honor to be here. We consider this our home church. Stephen and Suzanne send their regards to, as do the rest of my family. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for so much. We're so grateful, especially for the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all unrighteousness, for his resurrection, for the power of the Holy Spirit, for those that gave us your word. And we thank you for being our Father. We ask your blessing on this time. I pray you'll say more than I do. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you have your Bibles and you'd like to turn with me in a few moments, I'm going to read some, well, two references. There's just so many. Um, but one is Genesis 17, and I know your custom here is to stand, but hold on just a minute. Um, until I find it. Um. <laughs> oh, me. Those of you who are older, I don't have to explain. <clears throat> I, uh, I love humor. Uh, I was thinking about the little boy, his father, and he were praying, and his father was praying with him in the evening, and he said to the little boy, he said, you're going to have to talk louder. The little boy said, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> anyway, uh, sometimes kids will tell us the truth. <laughs> Mama told the little boy, now the pastor's coming for dinner, and I want you to behave. And by the way, he has a rather large nose, so don't. Point, look, stare. So the pastor came and she was pouring him some coffee and said, Pastor, do you take sugar in your nose? And he said, You, uh, be careful what you get on your mind. All right, Genesis 17, if you would stand with me and I'll read the first five verses, and then I'm going to go to Romans 4, so remain on your feet from the New King James. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. Now I'm going to read from Romans, the fourth chapter. You may turn or just Listen, and I'll read 13 through 23 in um, Romans 4, 13. 
For the promise that he would be heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. Because the law brings about wrath for there, where there is no law, there's no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope and hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. But also for us. Say that with me, please. But also it shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and raised because of our justification. Praise God. You may be seated. This is a very important, vital subject. And... There's so much on my mind this morning, forgive me, I won't be able to say it the way I want to say it because too much is flooding in. Pastor's already said I have ADD, and and that is true, and my wife did diagnose me. She uh, read an article and said, I think you have it. I read the article, I said... What did it say? Uh, uh, little boy in school was always distracted, and his parents had to come down and talk to the teacher. And the teacher said to the father, does ADD run in your family? He said, huh? Um, anyway, some of you will get that. But I have a lot running through my mind. And I'm emotional, if you'll forgive me, because the, there is so much 
heartbreaking um, things that happen for lack of fatherhood. And I want to talk to you about fatherhood. And um, it's special, you know, when, when you call God Father, you have just made that word very special. The greatest honor paid to fatherhood is that we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. So days, special days, are designed to enable us to remember special things, special people, special events, and that's a good thing. The Jews built their calendar around memorial, and God told them to. To remember this and remember this and remember this, Passover, first fruits, so forth. And so we have, and most nations have, special days, and uh, we have, among other special days, Father's Day. Um, and I appreciate you mentioning that it's number 20 because that reflects what is happening in our culture. And that's heartbreaking. I keep one, this keeps coming to my mind, so I'll go ahead and say it. But in Malachi, the fourth chapter, verse five and six, The Lord said, I will send Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, to their sons, and the hearts of the sons to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. My friend Eric Prince pointed out that if it wasn't for the New Testament, the last word in the Bible would be curse. That's the end of the book. In other words, either we get this right or there's going to be a lot of bad stuff going on. And I would say out in the culture there is a lot of bad stuff going on. Now, there's a lot of wonderful stuff. And this is not intended to be a depressing message, but rather to to focus on the fact that it's such a vital topic. This is not... Um, a casual topic or concern. Um, <clears throat> the Bible says, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the earth. In other words, <clears throat> honoring your parents, father and mother, uh, has a bearing on how long we live or how well we live or how well the culture is. That's very significant. And uh, when you when you get a little bit older, as some of you are, I'm not, of course, but um, <laughs> um, I wish I'd <laughs> I wish I'd honored Daddy more than I did. <laughs> I had a wonderful father, and I do honor my parents. But um, the older I get, the more I wish I had treated old people better than I did. Anyway, so the word father. It means source. It's the best definition I can determine from the study that I've made. 
father, and, and we, we talk about people being the father of something, the father of this and the father of that, the father of aviation, the, the father of our country, George Washington, and the father of the Constitution, so forth. And it means the source or the one who started something, the one who became famous because this exists. Father means a number of things with regard to that. He's the source of life. The Father provides the seed of life. He's the protector, provider. Not that the mother doesn't, but that's what fatherhood is designed to do. That's, we're genetically predisposed to be protective and to provide, and to model, and to guide. And James 1.17 says, Every good thing comes from the Father above, every good and perfect gift. So fathers instinctively want to give and provide, certainly when they're following the Lord. Our Father, our source in heaven, one night, my father was praying with me, and as I said, I had a great father. He was a missionary in the swamps of Louisiana, where my mother was from, and um, German Cajuns. It's a bad cocktail. <laughs> but good people. Uh, just if you went there, you needed to have business. And... Um, Dad was praying with me, and, and, and I, I, I don't remember how old I was, but I was um, 10, 12. And I, I, I prayed, I started my prayer, Dear God, and Dad said, Son, you don't have to say, Dear God. You can say, Dear Father, because God is your Father. Thankfully, that was a good word for me. That's not always a good word for some. But it was a good word. I realized that my father had not only told me something, he had modeled something that I could understand. I had a father in heaven, a good father, and I could talk to him. I began to understand that he was my source. I came to understand it better later. I um, I never wanted to be a minister. Some of you know that story, but um, I had a wonderful father. He was a minister, 35 years pastored the last church that he pastored, which is unusual. Baptist Pastors last on average about two years. The one before him lasted two years, and the one after him lasted one year. And so I, I never wanted to be a, a minister for a lot of reasons, and I won't go into all I don't have time. Um, <clears throat> I'd like to, but my therapist says don't. Um, <clears throat> Anyway, um, 
I, uh, one verse got me in, Philippians 4.19. Now, it wasn't just the verse that got me in, but I made the decision around the verse. What got me in was God scared me to death about 12 times. I tell people God didn't call me. He threatened me. You have to understand, living in a pastorium next to a church where everybody knows your business, comes and uses your bathroom sometimes, and um, it's it's like living, well, I tell people it's like an aquarium, but you keep pastors in it. And <clears throat> I like privacy, and, you know, I, I like the church, but I wanted it to be over there. And anyway, there were a lot of reasons. Uh, one is people said, oh, you're Brother Simpson's son, which meant you're different than everybody else. You're going to have to do better than everybody else. And I wanted to prove that I was the exception. And so that mentality, my son, who is also a pastor's son, said every preacher's kid needs therapy. He certainly does. And um, I did. It's that being, quote, besides that, there was no money in it, which was another big problem. But anyway, after God scared me, and I won't go into those details, but it was vivid, uh, I got Philippians 4.19 when I was reading my Bible one evening. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory through Jesus Christ our Lord. And my needs weren't just money. And so I took him at his word. I believed him. I didn't like it, but I believed him, that he would supply my needs, and he has. God is faithful. Say it with me. God is faithful. And it's not just money, as I said. There are a lot of needs. There are no perfect fathers, perfect mothers, of course, but not fathers. <clears throat> and Abraham wasn't perfect. I, I'm glad my name's not in the Bible. The Bible tells too much about people. The Bible says he was blameless because of faith, not because of the history of his performance. Abraham made a lot of mistakes. If he was a pastor, he'd be kicked out. <laughs> that brings up a whole other subject. I'm going to leave that alone. But Abraham means exalted father. God is the only perfect father. Say that with me. God is... You don't believe that. Now, come on. Let's say it with gusto. God is the only... That's right. In fact, he's the only perfect person. We we keep looking for the perfect person. And um, if we found one, we'd still find something wrong with them. You know, human beings are not going to be perfect. The Bible teaches that, and yet we expect it. And fathers are not going to be perfect. But they're a source, and hopefully they will be a, a righteous source, a good source. Abraham... <clears throat> 
Well, I won't go into his problems, but he had problems, and the world's still having problems because he had problems. Uh, well, he had a son with the maid. Anyway, no, that was Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm sorry. I was. No, uh, anyway, no, it was Abraham. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just take that off the the. the anyway. Now, we, you know, we would not want a pastor like that. By the way, we don't have one like that. But we would not want a friend. I mean, how many of you know we need a little more grace in the world? God's got more grace than we got. Now, by the way, I'm not suggesting that that's a good idea. And I'm not saying it's not important. What I am saying is, and this brings up a whole series. What I am saying is God chooses people that we wouldn't choose and uses them in a very positive way, not because they are perfect or close, but because somehow in their weakness, they believe God. Abraham what? Believed God. You know, you can be really good and not believe God. It's funny how God is. He wants people to believe him. His first priority is not that we be perfect according to the law. His first priority is that we believe Him. Not just believe in Him. I mean, you know there's a difference. Abraham didn't just believe in God. He didn't say, well, I believe there's a God up there. The Bible says he believed. And here, here's what he believed. God told him, I'm going to make a covenant with you, and you at a hundred years old are going to be a father to many nations. So he believed God for something (laughs) that was not logical and not likely. And then he was going to go home to Sarah, and he had already made a mistake because he... Anyway, he... And Sarah's up in her 90s, and... And God says, you're going to be the father. No, not that other one. I'm going to give you a son of promise, a son that demonstrates what I can do. And Abraham said, I believe. Now, I'd love to go back to Genesis 15, that chapter where God made a covenant with Abraham. In the beginning, it changed my life. A covenant is the foundation of my theology. God is a faithful God. He keeps his word. Abraham believed it. Let me ask you, do you believe that? Do you believe not only in God's faithfulness, but do you believe the promise of God to you? How many of you know we all have a promise? It's getting quiet in here now. I'm talking about personal it, 
You know, I, 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 I love the gospel, and I believe if you believe the gospel, you'll be saved. But there's something beyond that where when God tells you he has something for you to do that looks impossible, do you believe it? I'd say being a father is not impossible in this world, not just procreation. I'm talking about the demands. Do you believe what God wants to do, can do through you to provide, to model? You see, that's where I dug my feet in. I didn't want to be anybody's model. I don't want to be on the performance pedestal. I didn't believe in myself that I could be different than my buddies. And my father said to me one day, son, if God's ever going to use you, you're going to have to find new friends. I said, what's wrong with my, I didn't get it out of my mouth before I knew what was wrong. Not just with them, but with me. I didn't want to be on that pedestal. I didn't want to step up and be, quote, special. I wanted to be like everybody else. I wanted to blend in. Whatever they were doing, I was willing to do. And God said, I've got a promise for you. Struggle. There are no perfect fathers. But you can still believe what God has for you. And God will count us blameless. Through faith. Not because we're always righteous. And the world will remind you when you're not. But because we believe that in spite of it all and through it all, God wants to do something special. He wants to give us fruit that will be a positive influence. In the world. Is this important? Is this critical? You bet. Lest the world come under a curse. It's the primary issue. Everywhere. Not just in this country. Thank God he's a father to the fatherless. Psalm 68.5 We can all, and some of the finest people I know didn't have a good father. But they came to know God as their father. Thank God I have adopted grandchildren. Great grandchildren. I love them. I'm going to Costa Rica and see some of my great grandchildren in a few days.
wonderful to see fruit. God wants to give us fruit. The great tragedy is our prisons are full of people who uh, didn't have a father. He was absent. Drug houses are full of kids. Didn't have a father. And some that did because the culture became their parents. <clears throat> Mental institutions. <clears throat> so much comes to mind. So much depression among young people who should be at the dawn of an exciting life. Suicides. I have a beautiful granddaughter in lockdown, isolated from her friends. Dyslexia, ADD, studying online, not possible. Brought her up to this country with her parents to try to help her. Couldn't. She didn't want to leave her room. Brought her to church, and she left the meeting and went in a dark room. They went back to Costa Rica. 17-year-old boy, they didn't even know, got saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, started a home group. It grew to 30 to 50 people. They invited her. She got saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized a week ago last Saturday, and leading other kids to Christ. That's fruit. I'm looking forward to hugging her and telling her how thrilled I am. We have a challenge. I, I almost brought a, a message not on Father's Day today. I have a message that's on YouTube, Restoring the Generational Bridge. The bridge is broken. It would be wonderful to see God restore it, where parents and kids could sit down and have honest conversations and love one another, and the kids would feel comfortable, and the parents would feel they were being honest, and grandchildren, the older we get, the harder it is to make that connection to young kids, but the Lord can connect. I, I won't take much more time. But Abraham believed that could happen. He believed he could have a son and a grandson 
and another grandson, that the generations would multiply, and he would be the father of nations. You never know when you connect what can happen. You never know. The potential when fathers and sons and daughters connect is generationally. Blessings are had. We know that when kids are parented, they have a much better chance of being blessed. Especially if their parents have faith and they stay in that faith. We're losing 80% of our kids, Christian kids. We have a task in front of us. And by the way, we don't choose our fathers. Our fathers choose us, and our Father in heaven has chosen us regardless. And we have an opportunity. We can choose God as our Father who has chosen us. We can plug into a a genealogy that has enriched the world. Abraham's genealogy, by the way, is the most intelligent, the wealthiest, genealogy in all of history, naturally, and certainly spiritually. It's beneficial to plug into God, to our Father in heaven. I can't, and you can't, summarize the benefits. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his Benefits. See, it, it, we, we have a gospel that offers so much when people realize God is their father. So much is avoided and so much is received. Fathers, natural, spiritual fathers can make a difference it's uh, the way I was going (laughs) I wasn't going to produce spiritual sons and daughters I probably wouldn't live very long. I love to race cars. We never had a real fast car, but I did the best I could with what I had. (laughs) And that's a whole other story because I saw the end of that. My old car burned out, and my dad said, I'll 
if you'll let me pick it out, I'll loan you the money to buy another one. And I resisted because I knew what he would do. He'd buy a priest car, a nun's car, something with no chrome on it anywhere, no power. A bicycle would be faster than something he bought. We always had a preacher's car because being Baptist pastor didn't want anybody to think we had money. Of course, I don't think they should have worried about that anyway. But, I mean, we always had a black rubber where everybody else had chrome. But I finally relented and let him pick it out because I didn't have any money and I was in school. He called me and said, I found it. It's down here at the Chevrolet place. It's a used, he didn't tell me, but it was a used Ford. And I went down. And uh, said, uh, my father picked out a car. He said, yeah, it's in the shop back there. You can go see it. And I went back, and it was Oyster Gray, faded, four years old, six-cylinder usually. No chrome. But I wasn't disappointed. I knew that's what it would be. So I got in it and I cranked it and gunned it a little bit, revved it up, and man, it had torque and compression. I shut it off and cranked it up again. And then, man, that was talking to me. And I thought, I said to the mechanic, I said, what's it got? He said, it's got a full house, twin pipes, Edelbrock racing heads, twin carbs, wild cam. (laughs) I said, does my daddy know that? He said, he never asked. I said, well, let's just keep that between us. It would squall in third gear. I'd drop it in third and go, and I thought, oh, man, I've gone to heaven. This is wonderful. It was innocent looking. Nobody would have believed it. That's the way you like it. I got home. Daddy was so proud of himself, (laughs) and I was proud, too. And he said, well, son, how do you like your car? I said, well, I guess it's what I needed, Daddy. (laughs) Anyway, we were both happy. It lasted six weeks. Anyway, uh, the hole jumped in the hood, and I was right beside a guy who thought I shot him when it blew up. And anyway, I don't know how fast it was going. The speedometer was down in the chrome. But... I wouldn't have been a spiritual father if I had it been evil. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't give you your own way? And he has something for us, all of us. But if you're like me and you're a father, you may look at it and say, I I can't do that. I want to be that, but that's just not me. Yeah, that's how I thought. Probably how Abraham thought. 
after all, I'm a hundred years old. <laughs> you gotta be kidding. No, I've chosen you and I want you to be the father of nations. I don't know how long the Lord will tarry. But if he tarries, we can all be the father of something worth leaving behind. If we'll believe God. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Not just for them, but they teach us that perfection's not what you're looking for. But faith. Believing the promise. I pray that we can rise above ourselves. As the song said this morning, that we can believe what we can't see and please you because we believe you. Oh, God, thank you for opportunity to get beyond ourselves. And I ask you especially, Lord, help the guys. Help the mothers too, but Mother's Day's big day in our country. But you know Father's Day, not so big. Help the guys. Oh, help the young men. Help us, Father. We don't want any curses. We, we, we don't want the bad stuff. Help the guys, Lord, to rise above themselves. I thank you for this congregation, for all who are here today. And I pray that we'll be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. In Jesus' name, amen.